Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. Okay, we are live. Welcome, everyone, to another live recording of the Managing Partners Podcast. My name is Kevin Daisy, and I'll be your host. I'm also the founder of Array Digital, Array Law. We specialize in digital marketing for law firms. Today, I got a special guest coming out of California. Sophie, welcome to the show. Hi, Kevin. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so thanks for joining us over there. I know you haven't had lunch yet, but we have on the East Coast here. So, so I'm hungry and you need a nap? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, need a, uh, I need a coffee and you need a, uh, some I, lunch. I just had my second, so good morning. <laughs> good morning. So, uh, yeah, Sophie, thanks for coming on and sharing your story today and about your firm and all the cool things that you're doing. I was able to take a look at some of that stuff. And before we jump into some of the conversations here, you can check out her firm and her website. It's alcorn.law. So if you're listening, it's not .com, it's alcorn.law. You can go take a look at the website. Lots of cool things going on. You'll kind of get a, a feel for what they're up to. And without further ado, I really I like to get into the first question is really about you, Sophie, is tell us your story, you know, what triggered you to become an attorney or go go to law school and uh, become an attorney. Mm, thank you, Kevin. <laughs> I appreciate being here. My story started in the womb. Uh, I'm the daughter of an immigration lawyer and his immigrant client from Germany. So uh, my dad was an immigration lawyer. He practiced in Southern California starting in the late 70s, early 80s, um, had a 35-year immigration law career and his own um, small law practice. And my mom's from Germany. And I think it was this like Pavlovian training because when I was a kid and I got to do daddy and me time on Saturdays and go to his office, I got to push the buttons on the photocopier and send faxes and the only food in his office was sugar cubes by the coffee machine so i got trained early that it was very special to go to an immigration law firm and get to help doing things and i had my first summer jobs and internships there i started off as a file clerk adding pocket parts to old law books that would, you know, come in the mail every month to update lawyers on the law before the internet had you know, like case case databases. Yeah. And when I was 15, I convinced him to let me do some legal work and I uh, helped him write or I wrote a petition for a writ of habeas corpus to help free a Cuban man from indefinite detention in violation of the Constitution. Basically, this guy had committed manslaughter. He had already served his criminal sentence, and there was no tr expatriation treaty with Cuba at the time. So they were just holding him indefinitely in immigration jail. And we went to federal district oh, wow. court. It was a pro bono case and we got him released. And after that, I was hooked and I, I tried <laughs> in college and law school to find something else to do. Interned for the ACLU and really loved appellate law and uh, looked at some other legal areas, but ultimately just kept coming back to 
I love meeting people from different cultures who have different languages and different different uh, views of the world. I want to help people who are making the world a better place. And that's how I ended up in my current practice with a focus on tech immigration for the world's best and brightest startup founders and rapidly scaling uh, technology companies in Silicon Valley. That's awesome. So <clears throat> that's a really cool story and, and how young you got exposed to it and started. And I always just like to hear everyone's story because they're all so different. And it's funny because even though you were already on that path, you still try to get you something different within the law. Um, yeah, I didn't want to just, just copy him. I <laughs> yeah. wanted to I wanted to find my own way, but I just didn't realize that everything I loved was all the things he stood for. And so finally, I admitted to myself that I wanted to do this. but i didn't I didn't start my law practice, Alcorn immigration law until after he he died, um which was very unexpected and sad. That was about, Gosh, coming up on eight years ago now, and I started the firm about six and a half years ago. I wanted to find a way to carry on his legacy, and I was I was living in Silicon Valley and just saw all the need around me with my international friends. So, yes, quite, well, a, quite a journey. I'm glad you decided to do that. So, thank you, thank you, being you. here sharing your story with us. Thank you. So, uh, let's, we'll talk a little bit about your firm now. So, um, and you told me this: you you really focus your big focus. Uh, is on business immigration. Yes, business immigration, primarily within the technology sector. There's a lot of types of immigration law. So although I have a passion for asylum and deportation, family immigration, those are passion projects that I hope to be able to do and fund in a nonprofit way after sure. I make it really big with my tech immigration <laughs> practice. So yeah, tech immigration, business immigration, we're mostly doing visas and green cards for okay. the world's best and brightest entrepreneurs and inventors, as well as helping them get the right talent for their tech companies um, once they have investors and through their, their rapid hockey stick growth scaling process in the startup world. Excellent. That's huge. I know my uh, side, side note, my wife is an IT recruiter. Oh, wow. Uh, and yeah. so she uh, works in like the DC, uh, Washington, DC space, a lot of big companies, but um, most of her con contractors, if you will, that are going into these uh, places are from other countries, green cards, visas. So she has to kind of deal with all that. Plus, you know, ones that need security clearances and, and things like yes. that. So all of that, yeah. all of that. Exactly. And I assume out there in uh, California and Silicon Valley, it's pretty big, pretty big business out there. Yes, it is a huge, largest percentage of the world's venture capital comes out of this area. And although startups are heading to other markets with a lower cost of living, like Austin or Boulder, or Portland, even Miami, leaving you know San Francisco and New York and Boston for more yeah. fair climates with Salt Lake City. I've heard that's a big, yeah, thing. just cheaper housing. We're kind of like the gateway for people anywhere in the world to be able to live and work legally in that ecosystem anywhere in the United States. Yeah. Excellent. Well, let's talk about some of the things that you're doing to, uh, to establish yourself as a, as a firm and some of the things that have worked well for you. I know uh, some things we can talk about, but I know you have the podcast. Yes. And uh, so I always love having ex-podcasters uh, on my podcast. 
uh, which is you. cool. And so, yeah, tell us, you know, what has worked well for you is from a, you know, a marketing or branding perspective, what's, what's worked well. Yeah. And um, to get your name out there. Well, when I started the firm six years ago, I was a stay-at-home mom. I had two little kids. I hadn't practiced law in four and a half years, and I did not have a professional network in Northern California because I had previously practiced in Southern California. So, and frankly, I started my practice because I didn't even think a, a law firm would give me a job at that point. You're starting from scratch. <laughs> I started from scratch. Yeah. And uh, I started with a, a, a little website, but in my area at the time, and it's changed a little bit since COVID, but I was able to go to events at hacker homes and meetups. And uh, cool. I would attend other, you know, free talks at different startup organizations. And I would go find the organizer and say, hey, I'm a speaker. Do you ever have questions about immigration for startups and they would say oh my gosh can you be next month's guest and although i <laughs> i had to talk myself through my nervousness because my imposter syndrome was definitely kicking in but but it worked so i got all these speaking events at groups and i would go to networking parties and about 2 years ago i realized that wouldn't scale because i could only be in san francisco or san jose or palo alto you know so many times in a in a week to go meet people. So I launched the podcast, Immigration Law for Tech Startups. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. It's also on the uh, website if you look down <laughs> below. Yep. Thank you. It's on our it's on our website as well. Thank you, Alcorn.law. So I started the podcast as a marketing strategy for our target audience of startup founders, aspiring startup founders, people running immigration at early stage and later stage tech startups. And about the first 50 or so episodes were all about the nuts and bolts of immigration basics for people who needed to understand the case types. Um, sure. Later, I diversified it to interviews, talking to futurists, um, talking to clients who are startup founders who've made it. And that's been really fun. And the other thing I was able to do, there's a online technology newspaper <clears throat> called TechCrunch, which is pretty big yeah. in this sector. And I got, I applied and I, I became a, a verified expert through this program that they launched. And through that, I was able to develop relationships and pitch them. And so for the last two years, I've had a weekly immigration advice column called Dear Sophie, where people from around the world write in their immigration questions. And oh, I- wow. that's and huge. Answering. It's huge. I mean, it's part of like of Yahoo. And so these yeah, articles are seen by hundreds of thousands of people around the world every week. And it's been really fun. And then I created, this is like the backend legal office ops of it all. Uh, I created a, a cadence where I can, I, I tie the questions that I'm answering to my podcast content and I link to my podcasts in the article. Oh. And so we have this whole streamlined operation of content uh, planning that we do in our marketing team. That is awesome. I love that. I, my my brain was kind of turning as you were talking about that. So, cool. uh, and, then, and my SEO mind is going, oh, backlinks from TechCrunch. That's, that's yeah, a huge. That's huge. Yeah, and there's other ways to do it, right? Like, you can become. I think 
a lot of people become Forbes Council experts mm -hmm. for this type of writing opportunity. So there's a lot of creative ways to do it. I think the biggest thing that helped us stick with it for, you know, 100, 130 weeks now is that we engineered this system to consistently create the content. We figure out all the content for a whole quarter at a time so that I can have people deploy it. So on my end, I'm showing up at, at the microphone with an outline of the podcast. And so my time is knock literally <laughs> 35 minutes to knock out the podcast once a week. And then um, my team also prepares the draft of the article for me. So I go in and I edit it and I put my personality spin on it and make sure all of the details are correct. But, it, but they've already put together the answers to the questions that I've directed them towards. So I've tried to minimize my, my personal effort on the process as well. I love it. Um, and that is exactly what we've, we do here. <laughs> we've done here. Great. So, uh, you know, Sophie probably got emails to be on the show and back and forth and she'll get a bunch more and editing and, you know, we'll create a bunch of content and graphics and this will be published. Yeah. And, you guys make it really easy. So it'll be continuing to happen. But if, if it was up to me to do all that, there's no way. And yeah, yeah no. Happen. And, <laughs> and as, as lawyers executing marketing cadences, we are, we do not have our brains trained to be able to like deliver <laughs> all of that consistently and on time without procrastinating or getting bored. So, well, so, and I just gave a talk, so <clears throat> I'm getting back to going in person talks and, and trying cool. to either summer zoom and stuff, but some are at their local. I try to go to arrange talks to business owners because that's what we focus on our uh, law firm specifically. But um, we still have some local clients that we, we work with, you know, I was talking about social media, how to really do well at social media right now today. Right. And what's going on. And it really all comes down to having a system and a process. Everything is a lot easier. Well, I don't understand how Instagram works and I can't figure it out, like, just come up with a plan, have a, a, a program or a, a management software, arrange everything like you just said. I'll have someone come in our office and be like, today we're taking photos and filming for like an hour or two and we got content for weeks. And they, yes. they gave us an outline and here we're going to go do this. We're going to do uh, some reels for Instagram. We're going to go do this and that. And they come in and we pay them and they, you know, they... And we're a marketing company and we still bring in people to help me and my business partner do this stuff because my employees, my team members, they focus on client work, not our own stuff necessarily. And so we got a clear separation between the two. What you just said, I mean, is you have to, you have a plan, you have a system. And the reason TechCrunch is keeping you is because you can consistently deliver. So, yeah, exactly. I'm always getting my article to them. It's basically publishable. It's delivered by the same time every week. They, I asked for feedback on how I can improve, and they said you're more consistent <laughs> than some of our staff writers. So it's it's working. Well, imagine if you were always late and it needed a bunch of edits and tweaks. They would. Yeah, they wouldn't be interested. Eventually, they'd be like, "Yeah, we're done with this." Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. well, congrats on that. That's awesome. Thank and I think you. so. If someone's not a business attorney or in the business space, B2B, if you will, there's other ways you can do this. There's other uh, Inc. Forbes or um, if it's if you're just local, like a, to a state or even to a city level, look for localized publications, things that you can write for. Um, I know here we, we have like a, it's called Inside Business. It's a business magazine or newspaper. Mm -hmm. uh, it's online too, of course, but we write stuff and send it to them and they usually publish it because they're looking for good content. Exactly. And um, we can talk about all kinds of different things, but 
as much as we send them, they usually they, they'll put it out there. So it's, uh, yeah, find somewhere that will work for you. If you're in family law, maybe, you know, I'm not really sure off the top of my head, but there's right. other ways. Well, to do if this. you're doing prenups, maybe you try to get some guest content into a wedding online publication like The Knot, where people are looking for advice on how to plan their yes. flowers for their wedding. You know, they might need a prenup while they're at it, right? And well, that's probably, a good point. Probably websites for divorcing parents if you need uh, to get out, you know, how to do like a custody plan or something on the flip side. I had a, a guest months back uh, as a divorce attorney. Pretty, They're pretty large, but they are in Colorado. So they're in like Aspen and that area. And they have a podcast for divorce and they get tons of clients out of it. And, you know, with podcasting, you can't really target necessarily, but um, well, they were going to through the content. Like through yeah. the topic, people self-select if they're interested. But they were doing very, very well with it and getting a lot of clients from their podcast locally. I mean, my firm has a very niche market and our podcast statistics sort of indicate that we've saturated saturated the market of international startup founders because we're not gaining users as rapidly anymore. So that's cool. So, But it's so interesting the ways I get clients from the podcast because it's not just listeners but like i have some diehard fans who like write me thank you emails and stuff <laughs> and also it's a wonderful resource library to be able to send to potential new clients who you meet in other contexts of like yes. hey just wanted to share some links it was so great talking to you if you have more questions on this subject check out my two podcasts that i did that have a related topic and so it's it's a way to build um, rapport as well and show people that you're creating resources because you really care about your clients. No, a hundred percent. I think it's um, there's so many uses to it, and I think the other thing too is most people think it's the podcast that stops there, right? And or it's that one piece. Maybe like if you blog every every week, right? Oh, I got to do yeah. this article every week, and what does it really do for me? But it should never be just an article. It should be a, a podcast or a video. It can be YouTube. It can also be an article. Uh, SEO, right. right? It's it could be submitted to other places. It could be twenty could social do, media posts out of you an could article. Do one podcast with audio and video recording a month and turn it into ten to fifteen pieces of content for all of those channels. Hundred percent. And I, uh, so, and I think so. Say if I'm a, a local family attorney, well, why why would it not be helpful to me? Well, think about SEO. You want to rank locally and be number one for family attorney. The backlinks from the knot are going to help you from a localist perspective crush it because no one else is going to have those kinds of authority backlinks. There's just so many ways you can justify uh, how all the benefits, I guess. Oh, and really practically speaking, I have <laughs> invited people onto my podcast who I would like to become a client in the future. So that's another tip that I think a lot of po uh, podcast hosts do. It's a wonderful way it's a wonderful excuse to get to add new people to your network. Hey there, this is Eric J. Olson, the CEO of Array Law. If you're ready to work with a world-class digital marketing company, reach out. You can find us online at ArrayLaw.com or call us at any time, 757-333-3021. That's what I'm doing right here. <laughs> 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 Sophie, I got a contract for you to sign right after this. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of, you know, we're marketers. Uh, we do marketing for law firms. So, yeah. uh, which is a, a big business. And 
you know, everyone's knocking down everyone's door, especially like the personal injury space and all that stuff. But, you know, we bang down the door sales organization. We, we like people, we have relationships with our clients, but for us, the podcast was exactly that. Hey, we have a podcast. We're going to talk about you. I want to learn about you. And we're being hundred percent transparent. And then now you at least know who we are. Hey, we do marketing for law firms. We get our name out there, but we're doing it in a very organic way. If you will, I can't take, I can't do like 10 podcasts a day. Right. But you make 50 cold calls a day, but that ain't going to get you very far. Which option? Yeah, which one you uh, gives you more life force? <laughs> like, well, and, and then we have all the other benefits of it, and that is that our clients are law firms. Okay, I'm asking you how you run your firm, and and what do you care about, and and how did you get started, and those kinds of things. What's your plans for growth? Which I'm going to get to in a second, and you know that helps me, and then it helps my whole team understand you know, how these people act and operate and what do they care about? Because at the end of the right. day, we're, our, your goals are what we're trying to accomplish if you are a client, right? Yeah. And I love working with entrepreneurs because I've learned so much from my clients about how to successfully set up and operate a business. So we can learn disciplines as well. Exactly. So I, I learned stuff from, from guests on here all the time that I apply here at our company. Yeah. And I take notes all the time. I get referrals. I was going to Palm Beach last week and I got a referral to a restaurant uh, that he knew the owner of that he, cause he lives there. And, you know, so I was like, all right, I'm going to go to this restaurant. So it's, there's so many good things that I get out of this. It's, it's just great having a conversation with a business owner. And so for me, the, the benefits are, are endless doing a podcast. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's switch gears a little bit to really what your plans are going forward. Uh, what, what big goals do you have? Anything any big plans coming up for yes. the next year or two? Yes, many big plans. My firm has hit about 25 or 20 employees, but I should be at 25 probably in the next three months. So we're bit. growing very fast. The name of the game this year for me is operational efficiency, refining our software systems, tools, procedures, training programs, onboarding, uh, so that we can continue to grow and meet our clients' needs. Because when I started, it was a bunch of scrappy startup founders <laughs> who I was their lawyer, but now my clients are raising, you know, $40 million um, from big venture capital firms. And so some of them are going to IPO in the coming years. And I don't... Yeah. I don't take equity yet. So that's one of the things I'm working on with my lawyers is how do I take equity in my clients' companies, advisory shares when I'm helping them. But, you know, I want to I wanna keep up with their growth and I want to continue to deliver the same level of service that they received as startup founders when they have teams of 100, 500, 5,000, 50,000. So we are growing. Um, so we're doing that through software, which Love is very it. exciting onboarding and training programs, building all of that out. Um, it's a big commitment, but I, I wouldn't be happy with a solo firm and the impact I want to have in the world requires this foundation. And then in parallel with all of that, I'm also looking at going into the immigrant startup founder space with potentially forming uh, an accelerator for startups that would be a separate business, not legal advice, not the law firm. And I've had a tremendous outpouring of interest for that since I started talking about it. So big things to come. Very exciting. Now you're committed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that, that's excellent. It's actually pretty interesting that um, 
we're kind of in the same sp spot where you okay. are. Um, so we're yeah. we're around 20, 25 hiring currently a few more positions. So we're right about the same size, but same with us. What got us to where we were ain't going to get us to where we want to go. And so right. operational has been a big kind of last four months, you know, three or four months has been really focused on structural team, you know, org chart, a few people that, you know, maybe weren't the right fit that we've kind right. of bring in some different right. folks. Not everybody you started with are the people who can, who you can grow with. Yeah, a hundred percent. So that's been a lot the last four months with us. And we're just kind of seeing the light on the other side, which has really been great and uh, processes. So really formalizing and documenting well, we had always had stuff written down, but just now it's been flushed out one at a time. So that's just been a good experience, but that's, that's our same focus right now. It's like the, I don't know if you've read the book, um, scaling up, but, uh, oh, Vern yeah. Harnish, yeah, uh, yeah. he's the founder of entrepreneurs organization, another mm -hmm. great group, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there's like the valleys of death. So like, it, you know, one or 2 million, you kind of, and then you're trying right. to you know, 5 million, you kind of plateau again and you start to fall off and it's like 10 million, but it's, you're going to have, have these values, like these moments of, okay, we need to restructure. We need different software, new technologies, people. Right. Need, and know, when I was a, a baby lawyer and I was just sitting in the office late nights trying to get cases done, <laughs> it, even if I wanted to be an overachiever and like write down job descriptions for imaginary employees I didn't have yet. Like that wasn't a good use of my time. And gosh, the entrepreneur, the, the mindset required to be a successful business owner and an entrepreneur is so diametrically opposed to what we're, we learn in law school about thinking about the worst case scenario and the slippery slope and how to mitigate risk. There's no point in just looking at all the risks if you have nothing to risk. So it's this shift of, of mindset and thinking to think about possibilities and growth and realize that it might be messy, but you will have the chance to refine. But if you obsess about getting things right from the beginning, you're never going to have a chance to grow. So I've invested what you don't get from uh, when you don't get what you want, you get experience. So I have a lot of experience. No, I love it. Well, uh, all good things there. And that sounds we're in same mindset, same thinking. And uh, yeah, I talked to a lot of attorneys, obviously, on the show here. You know, some have figured it out. Some haven't. Some won't, I don't think. But yeah, you're not a business owner because you went to law school or, or taught how to run a business necessarily. So, but I like when I see the ones that get it and then you're like, okay, they, they got it. I had a gentleman on here not too long ago. He had, you know, he had a CEO, a CFO, a whole C-suite. He owned the company solely, but he was like, he was operating like, you know, a big tech yeah. company, you know, and I have a recruiter handling my COO <laughs> search right now. We had 200 applicants. I'm going to be oh, wow. delivered with 12 candidates for culture fit screening interviews in the next couple of <clears> weeks. <throat> and I hope to have them onboarded in the next eight weeks. So it's very exciting. Excellent. Well, hopefully my name made it in the list of 12. <laughs> well that's awesome you got your you own got good thing going <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm stuck here um no one's gonna hire me ever that's for sure Aww. i've been self-employed since 2006 so Excellent. i told my wife i'm unhirable this has uh, to work yeah i don't i don't think i could deal with a with a boss so i get it and now uh, but now it's really just like how do i 
Because a, a law firm, it's just so easy to be trapped in it forever and never get out of the the grind of it will take whatever you can give it. And if you're a smart lawyer who knows how to do all the cases, it's hard to get freedom. So you have to be very deliberate about taking steps to free yourself if your goal is to have a four-hour work week or a different business that's also separate or whatever. It doesn't happen magically. You have to take steps. A hundred percent. And um, just to, on to add to that, on the show here, I don't. We don't just invite like, you know, we we, we try to cherry pick and, and handpick all our guests, uh, but sometimes we'll have like single sole proprietors that we want on the show, and just because we, you know, we reached out to them, they look like a good fit, and but the sole, you know, the individuals that never added staff or other attorneys or infrastructure in place, most of them are older. And most of them decline to get on the show or they just don't show up or they have to reschedule because they work six, seven days a week. And they're like, yeah, I'm too busy. I can't do nothing. Same with prospects like that. They, they're like, I can't do anything. I can't market. And they're just trapped. They're, they're by themselves. They might have an assistant, but they're, maybe they're doing okay, but they're working themselves to death. And so they can't even take time to do something like this because it's no benefit to them because it's, work they could be doing <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah but i see that a lot it's really common and uh if you hit a certain level of income where you're comfortable then it's really easy to fall into the mental traps of like well i don't trust people how would i delegate they're not going to be as smart as me i know how to do this really quickly yeah. there's all of these limiting beliefs that, that keep us comfortable oh, yeah. or what if i lose that income because they did something or yeah. they're really yeah. protecting them now they're just trapping themselves even more. <laughs> right. And having the courage to change things. And one way is being an entrepreneur, but like if you want, if you want personal growth and developing yourself and you decide to turn your law firm into a business that doesn't require you, that is a, a large journey of you, you will have to face a lot of things and grow as a person. So it is uh, not for the faint of heart. It takes a commitment. That's just what you got to do. Right. So Sophie, I don't have any other questions for you. I think we've uh, covered a lot here and I don't want to waste any more of your time, but this, this was lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Kevin. So uh, but I think, you know, a few takeaways huge on what you're doing with your, the podcast. If you have a firm, don't write off being uh, having a podcast because maybe you're in a specific niche or, you know, you're in family law or something like that. There's so many things that it can help. And maybe not a podcast. It could be a video series on YouTube. It could be going live on Facebook. It doesn't have to be a podcast, but just any kind of content like this or whatever. Strong consider it. There's so many positives to it. And uh, even if it's just sending to a prospective client, like you said, oh, yeah, actually, I did a whole segment on that uh, question you have. Boom, here you go. And they, they get to, and maybe the assistant even does that or the paralegal says, oh, hey, uh, you know, here's Sophie answering this question. They get to hear her, see her, and feel like they have a connection with her eventually and then say, you know what? I'm going to use them because I feel like, you know, I know who they are. And I've gotten clients like that that tell yeah. me that. They're like, I feel like I know you, Kevin. And I'm like, oh. And they're like, yeah, but I just watched you on LinkedIn or something like that. So, um, <laughs> and so it, when it works like that, you're like, wow, that's super cool. And, and so I just think there's a huge takeaway of get yourself out there, put yourself out there, do these kinds of things. 
uh, whatever it could, whatever platform you're interested in doing, just do it and it will work well and have a system process and run your law firm like a business. That was, I think my big takeaway too from this is, you know, you gotta put yourself out there. You gotta take those chances and, and be able to delegate if you want to get out of the grind. Absolutely. We'll see I have one, more. I have one more burning thing that I really want to add to this <laughs> discussion, Kevin. Absolutely. It is, from a marketing perspective, cl clients don't, like nobody cares how sausage is made. Nobody cares if I am doing an L1 or an E2 or an O1A, if it's consular processing, if it's a <laughs> status, what the filing fees are. Nobody cares. Clients want to know, can you solve my problem? How long will it take? How much money do I have to spend? How risky is it? Can I sleep at night? Can you help me? And so from, if you're going to start a podcast, if you're going to do content marketing, if you're, if you're going to put a, if you're going to start your TikTok thing, I think that an, an easy way to be more successful and it's scary. It's super scary to have a niche as a lawyer because I'm like, Oh God, if I, what if a university comes or a hospital and I say that I do tech immigration, will they not want to hire me anymore? But I got so many more clients in the startup world when I committed to tech immigration and I understood that client's pain points and needs. And when you start talking to people like humans who have problems that need solutions and not about all the lawyer mumbo jumbo stuff, like that's our job that happens in our factories behind the scenes, but we're changing people's lives and delivering solutions to them. So if you're going to start a podcast, like maybe more than, than family law would be or be be more specific, be willing yeah. to narrow your focus. So like instead of the family law podcast, you could be um, the podcast for mothers of preschoolers going through divorce. And like, there you yeah. go. You're going to get that whole segment of clients then. No, a hundred percent. I completely agree. And even in my space, we do digital marketing and, you know, for law firms, but still, you know, I look at um, like, we're actually getting ready to redo our site. Uh, which is uh, we've actually brought in some outside folks and we're, we're doing a whole strategy, but you know, it's everyone gets caught up in the same thing in our space too, is we specialize in websites, SEO, social media, but, but it's like this, well, that's not specializing in anything. So, but uh, so, you know, all our stuff is going to be focused is really like, what is, what, we, what problems do we solve? Like that's our whole website mm -hmm. concept is that's all, that's all we do. It's all we care about. And there's a book, uh, They Ask You Answer, by a gentleman who's a pool company, but has crushed it, blown up. And he just started blogging about anything any client ever asked. Oh, All wow. transparency, pricing, everything you want to know. And that's kind of the whole basis of, of content marketing and, and blogging. It's what it should be about. But, um, but you know, so uh, what problems do you solve? Talk about that on a level that they can understand because they don't get it. If I could talk about SEO and algorithms and, and Google and all like, this stuff I just want to but... know if you're going to deliver high quality leads to my law practice. That's right? it. Like, I don't care how you do it. Well, don't exactly. break the law, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's exactly what we're, what we're doing, but we see that all the time. And, and a lot of our law firms prospects are, we go and I don't even know what they do. I can't even tell you, you know, what they do. But if you go to your website and everyone go take a look at her site again, alcorn.law connect with her, reach out. Um, but it clearly says on there that they do business immigration. I don't have it up right in a second, but it's super clear right up front and it's not a bunch of uh, technical stuff. So 
yeah, visas, green cards, and citizenship. I know what I can get. So I would encourage everyone to connect with Sophie, and especially if in the tech space, business immigration, that's what she's looking for. Um, if you have a, a client that has a need, please connect with her. Uh, we also have the Managing Partners um, newsletter that goes out every week, uh, which features our guests and all kinds of other stuff. We will sure feature your podcast, uh, Sophie, in the newsletter, so don't forget to mention that to me. Uh, but we have all kinds of resources in there from our guests, books that our attorneys have, uh, have wrote, uh, if they have podcasts. So the newsletter uh, has a ton of information and helpful things in there, too. So, Sophie, you know, any other way that people can connect with you directly? LinkedIn is great. If you want to personally stay in touch, Sophie Alcorn. And if you have a, a client who needs help with their tech or business immigration needs, you can reach out to us at alcorn.law/contact, and we would love to take a look and see how we can support you. Well, excellent. Well, I appreciate you again coming on here and sharing everything. I love what you're doing. Uh, we have a lot of the same thinking and uh, sounds like we've learned this, kind of the same things and on the same path. So I'm interested to follow back up with you and see what you're up to the next time we talk. So thank you, Kevin. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. This is very fun. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. Well, just stick on for a second. Um, everyone to get this episode now or in the future, if you've already seen this, you want to find it again, it'll be up soon on our website, arraylaw.com forward slash podcast. You can sort by practice area. In this case, for Sophie, you can search uh, sort by uh, immigration and or you can search by location, whether it's a state uh, or uh, we've had international guests as well. So you can sort for different attorneys, see what they're doing, how they're growing their firms and hopefully get some information there. Uh, if you're interested in any kind of marketing, SEO, leads, whatever it may be, information on podcasts, we don't do that as a service, but happy to talk to you. ArrayLaw.com, reach out to me and we'll help you with anything you need. And that's it. Now, Sophie can go eat some lunch. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. Have a great day. We'll see you soon. We've been recording this podcast free of charge for years. Hopefully, you're getting amazing value out of it. We don't ask for much, but would you do us one favor? Would you tell just one person about this podcast? If you get any value whatsoever, all we ask, and we'd greatly appreciate it, is share the podcast with one person just like you.